Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Despite terrorism suspicions, TWA Flight 800 wreckage is set to be destroyed. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, we have come to the 25th anniversary of the tragic crash of TWA Flight 800. July 17th, 1996 was when this happened. Now the questions linger. There have been studies of what happened on that day, what happened to the plane, why did it crash? Um, And there are all kinds of answers that have come up, but the question remains, was there a cover-up of a terrorist attack that brought the plane down in order to avoid panic? And I say, stop the wrecking ball. Stop the idea, the plan, which is going to happen in a couple of months from now, from this 25th anniversary. Stop the wrecking ball from wrecking what's left of TWA Flight 800. Now, there was a memorial service uh, this past weekend for the families of the victims of the explosion. And uh, there were 230 people on board the flight and who were all killed. And um, this this, uh, anniversary, I guess, you know, I guess the National Transportation Safety Board decided 25 years was long enough. They are planning to uh, destroy what was left, what it has been left, what was able to be brought up from the ocean floor, the Atlantic Ocean floor, um, they are planning to destroy it. Now, there has been, and as I'll go, I'm going to go into uh, telling you about the different theories, the different um, conspiracy theories, what the FBI said, what the National uh, Transportation Safety Board said, and um, the bottom line is that there really is no 100% conclusion, although the National Transportation Safety Board would like us to believe that their conclusions are the right ones. Now, I'll read you a quote from um, the top FBI investigator on the case, James Kalstrom. He said, we took the possibility a missile brought down the plane very, very seriously. We were, we were 99% sure that this was not a terrorist. Okay, unquote. But what about the remaining 1%? There's 1% left. Um, And interestingly, the FBI investigation, who really, they were really um, set on believing it was a terror attack, and I will explain why. Uh, They were uh, of a different opinion from the National Transportation Safety Board, who wanted to uh, really 
whitewash this, it seems to me, after reading about all the different theories of what caused the crash. Now, uh, this, this plane was bound for Rome with a stop at Paris. It exploded 12 minutes after taking off from New York's JFK International Airport. Uh, the wreckage fell into the waters of the Atlantic Ocean right off the coast of Long Island. And the Navy, as well as fishing trawlers that they contracted with, scoured the ocean and they recovered more than 95% of the aircraft, not the whole aircraft. And then uh, after almost a year, the remains of all who died were also recovered. There's a really fascinating documentary uh, called Heartbreak Hotel about the hotel where the families of the victims stayed for almost a year um, waiting for news of their loved ones, you know, waiting to hear whether their loved ones had been recovered. And it's a very, very um, powerful documentary. You can find it on the internet. Um, so the, um, the N NTSB, NTSB concluded that the cause of the explosion was an electrical short that detonated vapors in the center wing fuel tank, though they never actually determined where the initial spark came from. Now, this is so interesting because if you remember uh, not that long ago, the fire at Notre Dame, it was just the same thing. They decided that the most likely cause was an electrical short or an electrical spark, but they never figured out where that spark came from. And I have done, in, if you look back on previous podcasts at the time of the, um, of the uh, Notre Dame um, fire, I, I did um, some podcasts about it and explaining why I believe that that, and still believe that that was a terror attack. Because for example, uh, one of the sources of the spark could be a cigarette. And there were lots of uh, potential terrorists, let's put it that way, who were working on the uh, Notre Dame. They were doing repairs and it could well have been a spark from their cigarette. So um, the, there was suspicion when the, uh, when the TWA plane crashed. Uh, at the very beginning, there was suspicion that it was terrorists, that terrorists had hit the plane with a rocket or a terrorist had brought a bomb on the plane and so on. And um, there were reports, um, at least 700, well, there were 755 witness reports that the FBI made public. We do not know how many additional witness reports there are. Uh, that the FBI did not make public, and why did not they not make them public? Um, and these witnesses, I'll read you some quotes later on. Some witnesses thought that it was either a flare or fireworks heading up towards the plane before it exploded. And some witnesses even used the words missile or rocket. Um, so the NTSB eventually... Uh, eventually, when they finally concluded their, their studies four years after the accident, or well, the incident, let's say, um, they said that they found no foul play, blah, blah, blah. Um, but there was, as I said at the beginning, the original thought was terrorism. Uh, and I am sure that there are plenty of families who still believe that, and plenty of people actually in New York 
and on Long Island, the witnesses especially, who still believe that. Now, according to Leon Panetta, who was chief of staff for President Bill Clinton at the time of this ex- this incident, this crash, uh, he was also the former Secretary of Defense and the former CIA director. He was thinking that it was terrorism. He was focused on terrorism. And he said, quote, the investigation was looking at almost every possibility, including state actors, because we'd known that Libya had been involved with regards to bringing down the airliner over Scotland, which is he's talking about the Pan Am flight 103, 103. He said, we were looking at Iraq and Saddam Hussein. We were looking at the possibility of even Iran might have played a role in this. Um. But now uh, I'm, I'm going to be poking holes, continuing to poke holes in the NTSB um, four-year investigation because there, were not, there was not even one single eyewitness who was allowed to testify in front of the NTSB um, at a hearing with the NTSB or to the NTSB. I mean, there are varying reports about all this, but... Um, So the NTSB says that an electrical short could have sparked flammable vapor trapped in a nearly empty fuel tank and said that that was what caused the crash. Um, And this led to uh, some changes in in airlines, you know, in airplanes. And for example, um, they caused regulations requiring a system that pumps inert gas into fuel tanks as they empty. And Boeing had to replace brittle old wiring on other 747s and redesign their air conditioning uh, packs. But there have been, you know, countless other potential causes. Friendly fire. I'll tell you more about that. Uh, One thoughts that the plane may have been struck by fragments of a meteor that broke up as it entered the Earth's atmosphere. There were some people thought it might be due to electromagnetic interference from a nearby U.S. Navy aircraft um, and so on. Now, uh, the FBI, uh, as I said, interviewed at least at least 755 witnesses. Those are the reports that they made public. Um, But there were hundreds of witnesses, more than 755, who saw the plane explode. Uh, It was a clear night, clear summer night. And um, some were on on shore, some were on a boat, some were on a plane, and at least one was in a helicopter. And um, they have said that it was either a flare or fireworks heading up towards the plane before it exploded. They said a missile, a rocket, and so on. Now, What's interesting is that at this time, America was in a high state of alert when TWA 800 crashed in regard to terrorism. There were several things before the crash that occurred uh, that were related to terrorism and um, and something after the crash. So it was in in July on July seventeenth, nineteen ninety six, when TWA Flight eight hundred crashed. Uh, America was in the midst of being on high alert, in, in in other words, being very much aware of the threat of terrorism. And remember, this was nineteen ninety six before nine eleven. 
So um, when we come back, I will tell you some of the reasons why America was in this high state of alert and why the first thing that they thought of was uh, terrorism. So stay tuned. Uh, You're listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. And we're talking today about, despite terrorism suspicions, TWA Flight 800 wreckage is set to be destroyed. And I am trying to stop the wrecking ball. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today uh, in order to try to stop the wrecking ball about, despite terrorism suspicions, TWA Flight 800 wreckage set to be destroyed. Now, um, I must tell you that this wreckage um, is located in Virginia at the NTSB training center. Um, it's a re- they have reconstructed the wreckage, you know, from the plane, and they've been using it um, as in an accident investigation training course or courses. And, um, but they have decided to uh, destroy it. Now, as again, as I said at the beginning, um, the reason why I don't think they should is because there are still countless uh, questions and um, because in 25 years since this uh, tragic um, crash, we have developed so, so many more, uh, so much more technology that could tell us much more about this crash, about the wreckage and what happened. And just like um, they, this heightened technology has solved cold cases, murder cold cases, and other kinds of criminal cold cases. So, you know, to... Uh, and they, it really, they have stopped uh, investigating it. Um, for, they investigated it for four years. They spend millions of dollars and so on, but it does not seem like they have done anything since four years after 1996. Um, okay, so um, why was America in a high state of alert when TWA 800 crashed? First of all, um, not long before, I mean, starting with December 21st, 1988, remember it crashed in 1996, the TWA plane. Uh, in 1988, Pan Am Flight 103 exploded over Lockerbie, Scotland. It killed 270 people on board. And eventually, a Libyan national, Abdel Besset al Mohammed, al Mohammed, al Megra, let's just call him Abdel. Um, he, it was tried and found guilty of these 270 counts of murder. So we have a Libyan national, a terrorist um, who admitted to, or well, in any case, he was found guilty of murder of, of, of um, causing the plane to crash. Now that was only um, less than six years before. Then February 26, 1993, was when the bomb exploded at the World Trade Center and it killed six people, injured more than a thousand. And two years later, Ramzi Yosef, the mastermind of that attack, 
was arrested in Pakistan by the FBI and the State Department and put on trial. And he said, I am a terrorist and proud of it. Then April 19th, 1995, the um, building in Oklahoma City was bombed. Uh, it killed 168 people. And of course, uh, Timothy McVeigh and Terry uh, Nichols were found and were tried and convicted for the attack. So domestic terrorists. Then May 29th, 1996, we're talking about um, oh, less than two months before, to June 29th, yes, less than two months um, before this TWA flight crashed, um, Youssef, the man who um, masterminded the World Trade Center bombing, he was on trial. He started to be on trial. So the trial was ongoing while the TWA flight 800 crashed. Now, you know, many people found that to be a little more than a coincidence. Then um, June 25th, 1996, so uh, even closer to the TWA flight crash, the Kobar Towers were attacked. It was a powerful truck bomb that exploded on the perimeter of a U.S. military complex in Saudi Arabia. 19 U.S. Air Force personnel were killed and several hundred were wounded. So we're having one after the other, these, these uh, incidents of terrorism. And then again, June 7, July, I'm sorry, July 17th, 1996 was when the TWA Flight 800 exploded. Then July 27th, 10 days later, a bomb exploded at the Olympic Games in Atlanta, killing one person and injuring over 100. And, um, you know, that was thought to be a terrorist attack. So, um, so there was good reason, needless to say, to suspect terrorism. Um, so eventually the, the uh, victims, all of the victims from Flight 800, TWA Flight 800, were recovered from um from under the sea under the atlantic ocean and uh their names are etched into a, a memorial on long island and it was dedicated uh six years later in july six years later and it includes flags from 13 countries there were pe people on board from 13 countries of course most of them were americans um so then again the the FBI, who really was doing a much more detailed investigation, really trying to um, investigate whether it was terrorism, um, they, in November 1997, a little more than a year after the crash, they announced that it was not a criminal act. You know, it wasn't terrorism. It wasn't any kind of criminal act. And then they turned it over to the National Transportation Safety Board. I mean, the, the National Transportation Safety Board had already started investigating, but um, basically the FBI left the party. Um, so then four years after the crash, the NTSB released an official report, and it said that the probable cause was a spark, as I mentioned earlier, was a spark in the center fuel tank that eventually led to the explosion that brought down the aircraft. Uh, they never found a definitive answer as to where this spark came from, again, just like, um, just like in Paris. 
Now, they did a four-year, a little more than four-year investigation and an over $40 million investigation. But interestingly, years later, people from the NTSB and also people from the FBI came out and said that they had some other ideas of, um, you know, they weren't convinced that it was what was the official report, that that was the cause of it. And, and there have been many attempts to um, try to get the NTSB to uh, reopen or, or to not conclude, you know, to not put out a conclusive report, say that this is the end of their investigation, um, but they have not reopened the investigation. Um, so there were some interesting, you know, what, what <laughs> some are calling conspiracy theories, but interesting other ideas of what might have caused this. Uh, for example, there was explosive residue found on three samples of material from um, the seats, um, canvas-like material that were from the seats of the plane. Um, and, and they, the FBI thought that these were, that these positive tests, um, three, well, it was three samples of, of uh, materials from three separate locations in the plane wreckage, canvas-like material. And uh, it was the FBI viewed these as viewed these positive tests, you know, positive for these explosive residue as strong indications of a criminal act. Um, you know, like a bomb exploding either on the plane or something sent, sent up to the plane. Event, ultimately the NTSB couldn't determine the exact source of this, these explosive residues. And they came up with all kinds of weird ideas of where it might have came, come from, other than a terror attack, such as contamination from the aircraft's use in 1991, transporting troops during the Gulf War. They went pretty far back. Or, get this, it's possible use in a dog training explosive detection uh, exercise about a month before the accident. So they ignored all of this. Um, but there was a TWA chief 747 pilot named Robert Terrell Stacy, who, um, believed that, uh, this reddish brown substance observed on the backs of recovered passenger seats was suspicious and possibly indicative of explosive residue. Now, um, he worked with a journalist. They wrote a book called The Downing of TWA Flight 800. And he said that it had been downed by a missile and that a government cover-up had taken place in order to not panic the public. Uh, the NTSB, however, said that this was used in the construction of the seats. This, this was adhesive. This, um, this reddish-brown substance was adhesive used in the construction of the seats. So let me correct myself. What I was talking about before the um, the three uh, the explosive residue on three samples was not from the seats. That was a separate thing where they found the residue. Um, so anyhow, he um, wrote a book about it, and you know the NTSB poo pooed it. 
And then another possibility was um, unidentified radar tracks. Uh, there was someone who came forward. Pierre Salinger said that he had proof that TWA 800 was shot down by friendly fire and the incident was being covered up. Then we have um, a, another proponent of the see, Some people were saying that it was the U.S. Navy uh, friendly fire that was shoot that purposely shot down accidentally or purposely shot down to the TWA plane. And so um, uh, a man named Ray Lahr used the Freedom of Information Act to um, ask for the um, to ask for the information so that he could try to prove that it wasn't what the NTSB was saying. Um, and he so he had a uh, he put he went to court and uh, the court said, that they that law had provided sufficient proof to suggest that the government acted improperly. And then when even when the court said that law could get the documents to try to uh, substantiate and prove what he's saying, all of a sudden, the documents, the agencies involved claimed that the documents had been lost and could not be located. Then another thought uh, that another theory that was brought up was um, a large meteoroid that that hit the plane. Another thought was, as I said, electromagnetic interference. And then um, this is kind of interesting. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, they did a report. They disputed the NTSB's studies. Um, they said, they also criticized, first they criticized the FBA, FBI's conduct during the investigation because they said there was undocumented removal by FBI agents of wreckage from the hangar where it was stored. And, um, and they, you know, and they also criticized the NTSB. Then we have the Donaldson report. Well, you know what, let me, um, I will stop here. <laughs> da, da, da. Leave you in suspense because the Donaldson report which came out in July, two years later, uh, July 17th, 1998, the two year anniversary of the downing of the plane. Uh, he put out a very interesting report and, um, and I will tell you about it when, you, when we come back. So stay tuned. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stop the wrecking ball. I hope you have heard enough so far. Uh, to see why I am saying that we should stop the wrecking ball that will be <laughs> wrecking what is left of the wreckage uh, that was recovered from under the Atlantic Ocean uh, of TWA Flight 800. Enough question marks exist. And now I'm going to tell you one of the most interesting ones, if not the most. Uh, William S. Donaldson is a retired naval officer, was a, actually, um, he died in 2001, 
interestingly enough. <laughs> uh, he was a retired naval officer, and he formed after you know this uh, tragedy of TWA Flight 800. He he was not happy with um, you know what the FBI and the um, NTSB concluded, uh, and he formed a uh, an organization called the Associated Retired Aviation Professionals in order to investigate the crash. And he wrote an interim report on the crash. And uh, he was called Interim Report on the Crash of TWA Flight 800 and the Actions of the NTSB and the FBI. It was uh, known uh, better as the Donaldson Report. And as I said, it was released on the two-year anniversary of the crash. And he said, uh, his conclusion was that TWA 800 was struck by two missiles fired from the water, most likely as a terrorist attack. And subsequently, the FBI and the NTSB conspired to cover up this fact due to political pressure. He thought that there, uh, the theory of the NTSB, of the fuel, air, vapor explosion, that scenario was hogwash. He said, and that's my word, hogwash, I'm not quoting him, but that's, that's, a, that's a summary of what he concluded. He said, quote, in the history of aviation, there has never been an in-flight explosion in any Boeing airliner of a jet A kerosene fuel vapor air mixture in any tank caused by mechanical failure. Now, remember, he, he was a retired naval officer, and he obviously, and, and, he, and his, it was uh, not just him, but he, there were other people, uh, experts who joined this associated retired aviation professionals, you know, so it wasn't just as a naval officer, but also other aviation professionals who were on this, in this organization, and who concluded this, that never before has this happened. Um, he... He said that um, um, he thought that it was a cover-up, as I said, in cooperation with the, a cover-up between the FBI, NTSB, and the Justice Department. And he believed that it was because of the Clinton administration, that the Clinton administration wanted to hide the actual cause of the crash because there were upcoming presidential elections. And I guess at that time, Clinton had enough problems with his with Monica Lewinsky. He didn't need anything having to do with terrorism or anything else uh, in regard to this um, air, airplane crash. So um, Donaldson ended his report, concluded that with a request that Congress hold congressional hearings into the crash or that the Justice Department appoint an independent counsel to investigate. Neither of these things happened. You know, I mean, that's part of why this is still, this is still a concern because why, if it wasn't, a, if it wasn't a cover up, if it wasn't a terror attack or some of these other possibilities, why weren't people willing to continue to investigate? So now, now I'm going on to the witnesses. This is, this is the most powerful part. Um, because, you know, uh, what's that? How, how could all these people be wrong? How could all these people have seen the, essentially similar, if not the same things? And yet um, the NTSB is just uh, is just 
just you know disputing it just saying just ignoring them ignoring their their observations now of course if this was done today if this happened today we would have video evidence of what happened unfortunately it was 96 okay so the um, a Suffolk County police officer, Vincent Termini, uh, witnessed this, witnessed the explosion, and he said there was a wall of flame 30 feet high. Um, it looked like the ocean was on fire. And he, um, he went out to sea with rescue crews immediately after, and he said, we tried to get close to a piece of burning wreckage at the beginning. I remember operating the boat between flames, but we couldn't get close enough. The smoke was making us sick. Needless to say, um, this whole thing, I, I remember this very well and feeling traumatized. I mean, I remember thinking, especially because, um, you know, I, as I've mentioned before, um, I lived in Paris. The plane was going to Paris. Uh, it could have been me on that plane, especially in the summer. I would go. Um, in, you know, when I was going to medical school, I would go uh, sometimes come home to New York for the summer and go back to Paris uh, later in the summer and so on. So it could have been me. So I really I remember when this happened thinking, whoa, you know, this could have been me. And um, but it, it doesn't matter whether it was me or it was unfortunately um 230 other people who thought they were going, imagine this, you know, middle of July, most of them were probably going for summer vacation, excited, going to Paris, going, was going to go on to Rome, you know, all excited about uh, their summer vacation. And look at what happened. Um, so then there were, you know, so some of these conspiracy theories, again, were that a U.S. Navy ship well, again, I don't want to say conspiracy theories. I mean, that's what people are calling them who, who want to believe the NTSB. But some of these theories were that a U.S. Navy ship, which was in the area, conducted a wartime exercise that went awry and it hit the plane. Or the terrorist was on the ground and using a shoulder mountain surface-to-air surface missile or a small plane collided with the 747, or a terrorist smuggled a bomb on board. And 25 years later, these stories are still um, believed by a significant number of people, you know, have not really been disproven. Um, then also the fact that a 747 was never brought down in the past by any kind of malfunction that the NTSB is saying happened. Um, also, as I mentioned, it was the summer during this time when Ramsey Youssef uh, was in trial in Manhattan for the first World Trade Center bombing and so on. And um, so let me read you some of the some of the statements that witnesses made. Um, there were, you know, many of these witnesses used the word rocket or missile. And they were these, as you'll, if you keep thinking about what the NTSB said, and you'll see how this is such a, these reports, these witness, eyewitness reports are such in stark, in such stark contrast. Um, Okay, so then we have witness number 364. He was he once served 
uh, as the crew chief of a Marine Corps helicopter squadron. So he kind of knows about things like this. And he was sitting on the dock of the Bellport Yacht Club with a female friend, my, <laughs> having a romantic night out, looking up at the beautiful night, summer night sky. And he noticed an object rising vertically. He said it had a red glow and took about 30 seconds to reach its zenith, then arced downwards for 10 seconds and sped off on a flat horizontal course for about 15 seconds. Uh, then there was a small red explosion followed by a tremendous bright white second explosion, which evolved into an orange yellow ball that fell to the sea. I mean, that's pretty specific. <laughs> Um, he came to this um, witness, came to the personal conclusion that what he had seen was a missile hitting the airplane. Then we have witnesses 385 and 386. They were a couple with their um, young children on a, on a uh, boat. Let's see. Um, they were on a boat and they saw a bright orange red glow they said it quote seemed like it came off the horizon and rose slowly weaving as it continued upward it traveled diagonally at a 70 degree angle going in a westerly direction and left a white smoke trail in its wake it then disappeared and a large oval ball of fire appeared just above where the object was last sighted um, they watched as the, quote, ball of fire came straight down, unquote, breaking eventually into two pieces, which is what the, um, the first man had said as well, a ball that fell into two pieces into the sea. So, I mean, you know, not only are the, I mean, there are such similarities in, um, in uh, this, in their reports, not to mention that they're eyewitness reports. Um, okay, then we have witness uh, 491. He was fishing, like, it's so interesting, all these different kinds of, you know, one is on a yacht, a couple with young children. This other witness was fishing with some buddies when he observed a red light moving up into the air. It was moving in an irregular type arc. He followed this red flag for an estimated 30 seconds. He said it, and he said it was trying to follow something. And then he said it turned into a huge ball of flame and fell into two pieces. Well, you know, <laughs> um, the similarities, there are s s some really significant similarities in these eyewitness reports. And um, they did not uh, collude <laughs> to, uh, you know, why would they do that? Um, collude to make up a story that sounded similar. And the fact that their stories were ignored um, and again, that all of the interviews taken by the FBI, all of the eyewitness reports were not made public. And the NTSB, you know, again, there have been criticisms of what the NTSB um, concluded by several people and, 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 um, and experts. And so the bottom line, what do we, you know, and, and now the wreckage, what's left of this plane, TWA, Flight 800, what's left of it is sitting, as I said, in a, in a, in a hangar um, at the NTSB's training center in Ashburn, Virginia. 
and it is set to be destroyed in the coming months. Well, again, what I am saying is stop the wrecking ball, use the things that the scientific uh, advances that have occurred in the last 25 years to examine while it is still above ground or while it's still together to examine it uh, more carefully. I mean, you know, yes, they spent a lot millions of dollars in the initial investigation, but uh, it does not make sense unless they were trying to cover up something. It would not make sense to not use our advanced um, technology to look at it uh, more closely. And again, remember what the top FBI investigator said. He said, we took the possibility a missile brought down the, let me start again. We took the possibility a missile brought down the plane very, very seriously. We were 99% sure that this was not a terrorist. I asked the question again, what about that remaining 1%? Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.